0: Hello and welcome back to Wildly Human. This is Corinne Elliott at the ZenFem.com. And this week we're talking about the Enneagram and money. If you listened to the last episode of the Wildly Human podcast, you'll know that I talked about money trauma healing, relationships, relationship stories, money stories, and human design. And in this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about human design, but also I have a specialist who um, works with Enneagram. And we worked together a few years ago, well, back in 2018 on um, the Enneagram and money. And I'm really excited to share her with you. She's a, a beautiful person. She's An emotional manifester, and her name is Courtney Pinkerton. Now, just for a little bit of um, a background on Courtney, she is a certified life coach and the author of the Flourish Formula An Overachiever's Guide to Slowing Down and Accomplishing More. As an inner life coach and Enneagram mentor, Courtney helps her clients pursue their most salient goals and, to some, and discover more pleasure in the everyday. She has dual master's degrees from Harvard Divinity School and Harvard Kennedy School, is a certified wayfinder life coach and has been studying the Enneagram with master teachers for over a decade. After selling their house and all their belongings, Courtney and her husband and three children moved to Nicaragua, To be tutored by their neighbors in the art of slowing down and living more. They now make their home in Weaverville, North Carolina, which is just outside of Asheville, living their permaculture dreams on a tiny farm where she's developing a new podcast called Inner Ecology about the intersection between the inner life and planetary flourishing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, about her podcast, and this is a really beautiful episode with a beautiful person, and I'm so excited to share her with you. So let's get started. Human, Human Design podcast. And we have Courtney with us to talk about Enneagram and money. And I am just so excited to talk with her again about this because it's been a few years. So welcome. How are you doing? Thank you.
1: I'm so happy to be here with you. I have been really looking forward to it. I can't wait. I even I enjoyed just the the pre-conversation. So I can't wait to talk more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think we we always do have good pre-conversation because we've done this a few times in the past. So mm-hmm. yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. Um, So just to give a little bit of context for anyone who didn't listen to the last episode of the podcast, um, I shared a little bit about money, trauma healing, relationships, and human design. And Then I wanted to share a little bit more about um, how human design um, shows you your patterns, um, specifically Mm -hmm. with money and maybe even some money traumas that you might have experienced in your lifetime. And I also am just really excited to dive more into the Enneagram because it's another system that can show you what your patterns are. And maybe your preferences, or any any money triggers, or anything like that, and um, can also give you some direction on how you can start to heal those things. So, did you want to just share a little bit about what you see the enneagram as? I know that's a big Mm. question, but
1: Mm -hmm. people have different (laughs) viewpoints. It's a big question, but I did do like the, my enneagram happy dance when you started talking about the enneagram. So I will, I will do my best to honor this ancient personality map super briefly and poetically. So I view it as um, nine archetypal patterns. You know, we we see patterns in nature: the rings in a tree, the way moss grows on a log. And so, so too, we have patterns in our expression of being human. And there's a kind of freedom in that, because if we can come to identify which of these nine archetypal patterns is ours. And just to explain, there are three types that lead with their gut or body intelligence, three types that lead with their heart or kind of emotional intelligence and three types that lead with their head or their intellect. Um, If we can come to identify, well, and what's interesting is we lead with one, what's called a center of intelligence. We also underutilize another center of intelligence. So we're kind of like off balance if we don't know our type pattern. And so it's really a journey of it's a journey home. It's a journey of coming to recognize. Oh, if I can identify which of these type patterns is mine, and then you can kind of like hold it up in and see see the real you in relief, because you can kind of like take the type, the archetype. Um, you don't ever take it out of the picture, because we're always going to be dancing with these energies in us but you can sort of see your essence, your true self shining through (laughs) and, and really see what you're here. I know you're really tuned into authenticity and kind of like what we're here to bring and express and contribute. And um, I'm really passionate about climate change and about like showing up for our work in the world. And I just feel like Now's the time you know, for each of us to to just um, be our, our full selves and not from a place of pressure or like burnt out activism, but just from a place of really being who we're here to be. So the Enneagram is our ally with money, it is our ally in relationships. And more than anything, I mean what the reason I got into it is it's just an ally to feel better to stop hurting so much inside yourself so that is a brief description of what it's all about and it's you know two thousand plus years old but like all of these like ancient wisdom traditions or at least the symbol is it's evolving right now where it's going it's like it's a psychological tool it's a spiritual tool it's also a somatic tool because these uh, patterns live in our body as as neural pathways. That's the part that really, really interests me. And it's, the whole system is is dynamic and evolving, you know, as we speak. And it's actually going to be exploding in popularity. So I've been learning and teaching for a long time. And um, right now there's a lot happening with the Enneagram that didn't used to be. So that's fun. And also people can get the superficial bit. And get feel put in a box or turned off by it. So it's just important to, to find teachers that are are helping people get on their own journey with it and not be like put in a box with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. It's the same with human design. Um obviously it's human design has exploded <laughs> recently. Mm, mm. I think I think before it was like the, My- the myers briggs that mm-hmm. was the big thing and mm-hmm. um, maybe astrology and just in the past few years human design and i've just i've been looking more at the enneagram even though i it's funny because um at this buddhist temple that i used to go to every week on oahu um they had like this book like pile that people could just like put a book in and you could take a book. And, and I, one time, I th- gosh, this was in like 2013 or something like that. I found this book though, the wisdom of the Enneagram. Mm. And I was like, this is kind of the most interesting one in this pile. So I'll try this. And I took it and just like paged through it. And I found it so confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't, I just put it back in the pile. Like, next week or maybe a week or two later and I didn't really hear about it again until I don't know years and years later so um but I've been finding it more interesting specifically since I've learned more about human design I think because for one I know that um With human design, you're given a type based on your birth date and your location, your time of birth. And so you're you're given like this map based on that alone. You're not self-identifying with any particular type. Mm -hmm. And so I know we talked a little bit about like self-identification or someone else telling you like, what do you Mm -hmm. recommend is the best way to kind of not... Not um, find your type and like attach to that type, but just to kind of see what your type might be and then like explore from there. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. So um, a few different resources. Well, first of all, I mean that the, the book that you referenced, I mean, it's definitely one of the sort of anchor books that is out there about the Enneagram. But personally, it's also not one of my favorites. I also kind of bounce off it. Um, and so I will, I'll one place to start is the book that I wrote, which is called The Flourish Formula. And it does have, um, people can get a free cop- digital copy, which you'll have the link. Um, and I put in there the chapter, chapter four, which is all about the Enneagram has my favorite sort of quick soak method. I call it <laughs> like when you forget to put the beans to soak the night before and you have to do the quick soak. This mm-hmm. is like the quick soak how to get started with the Enneagram and it's three questions because I am a type three on the Enneagram and part of that archetype is a appreciation of efficiency. So it's a it's a pretty fun get started quickly um, approach for those who like that but it is also coupled with a really robust uh, set of descriptions of all nine types. And so I got permission from the school that I have studied most deeply with, which is the Narrative um, Enneagram School. And I really value their approach to the Enneagram because it, it foregrounds that each of us gets to tell our own Enneagram story. So these are archetypal patterns, but we hold up the the body of work the teachings against an individual and we we preference the individual we don't say like you must be like this because you are a type five we listen to a person's story and the the body of work is evolving and it's bending around the humans that are living and breathing and so so it has these really you know thick descriptions of each type and then this quick soak method. So that's one place to go is to grab my book and start there. Um, if someone wants, I am a book person. So I'm going to give another book recommendation as one place to go. If someone wants a deeper dive. My like favorite Enneagram book is called Deep Living by Roxanne Hal Murphy. This is like, if you want the Enneagram library you know it's a big book she just re um put a new introduction it's a beautiful book i think the chapter on the inner critic alone so that's like kind of the only enneagram book you'll need and if you want that kind of like the equivalent to the one you picked up and put back down if you want that like a meaty tome that's where i would send people and then um the essential You're going to be sorry you asked this question, but the essential Enneagram is a little tiny yellow book, which is another great one. And actually the narrative Enneagram has a quiz on their website that people can take that has videos. And so I've given people four options and I do have um, if you want me to I could share if you want to share in the podcast notes, um, the best free free if people someone wants to do like an online quiz, I can also give you the best free one of those with the caveat the the um, website looks like it's from like 1997 I don't know why ever updated it. it's called eclectic Enneagram, but over time I've just found that that one works and it's the best free one. And with the caveat that anytime we're taking an online quiz, they're always measuring like behaviors. And really with the Enneagram, we're looking at core motivation. So you're always going to want to hold lightly anything you get from a quiz. And it it is a bit of a dance related to it does require some introspection and self-reflection to say, hey, does this type really fit me and I know you're going to ask more questions about this but our type is the strongest when we're in our early 20s so that's part of what can be confusing for people is they're evolving and so they can have a but you're looking for like big picture which of these nine types is like the best sort of home base for you and then once you land in that there's a lot of refinement that can happen.
0: Okay. So can your type change? Because you, you said it, it's strongest in your early 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But can it change right. after that?
1: So you don't change. You don't change types. So you want to make sure you identify your correct type. And people have different experiences with, with this. So when I, um, when I first figured out my type, I went to like a weekend long, learn your number, workshop and she I, I had a hunt I mean sometimes some people are intuitive and some people this the easiest way they might just be listening to this podcast and be like okay I think I'm a head type I'm probably a head type I probably lead with that center of intelligence you know and then they could grab my book and kind of read the descriptions I mean sometimes it's just fairly intuitive for me it was pretty straightforward I knew I was probably going to be a heart type she described type 2 which is the giver helper i was like okay that's pretty close but not it she got to type 3 and she said the words type 3s are the chameleon of the enneagram and i was like i'm that's it <laughs> i have discovered i just had those chimes of truth you know of like i this is it i have found it so sometimes it's that like Whoa! you you know other times it's it's a more subtle unfolding and you just kind of feel your way into it. And you're like, yeah, this feels more comfortable than the other ones. Um, the book I recommended, The Essential Enneagram, does a nice job of holding up some look-alike types. Like if you get caught between a couple, you can go there and say, oh, well, this one between these two or a good Enneagram coach or teacher can help you if you get caught, you know, between A couple but no you don't you don't um change types as you evolve but what happens is your type has less of a grip on you and you actually show more of your essence through so you start to show more of the strengths of your type versus the struggles Mm. And, and that's and you start to have more freedom inside your type so that by the you know as we all do more of our enneagram work people of all different types you might actually feel like you have more in common with somebody who's a totally different type who's doing their enneagram work versus somebody who's your type who's completely bound up in their type patterning so it's it's more about kind of the freedom than the type box there's sort of a couple of different ways that the movement happens
0: yeah okay so are any of these um I guess, schools of, of Enneagram, do they speak to shadow specifically, like shadow patterns or, you know, the shadow mm-hmm. frequency of your type or?
1: I mean, definitely they, I, I don't know. I mean, probably diff- with different languaging mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I mean, and my first teacher, Suzanne Stabil in Dallas, she would teach workshops that were about kind of like the almost like the pathological dimensions of each type and she would only teach those to therapists to recognize those within you know so there's there's certain um within this within the the studies I've done more um with the narrative I haven't heard that kind of language it's more about getting tight and finding the freedom but of course what we don't look at has a lot of power or what is, you know, caught where we're caught in has a lot of power. But I think if we're shaming ourselves for that, then it has even more power. So it's just, it's really about the the primary language that I hear. And I guess that I prefer as well is about bringing it up, bringing our type structure above the line of consciousness. And again, a lot of this is, is embodied and it's, it's, it's patterning that got, we kind of fell into to protect ourselves as a strategy when we were very, very young. So we have to really apply a lot of compassion as we allow ourselves to see these behaviors and these strategies and to bring them to above the line of consciousness so we can work with them and um, first have a little bit of breathing room from them so we're not just making the old choice habitually and then you know once we have a little breathing room from the old like maybe we used to I mentioned a type two before someone who maybe say she, someone would habitually raise their hand to volunteer to sign up for, even though they're strapped for time or raise their hand to donate money that they don't have. So the beginning of the awareness would be, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to stop doing that. (laughs) I'm going to sit on my hands. (laughs) I'm not. And then eventually the new behavior of, oh, I can open myself to take this same money I would have overgiven and put it towards a massage or put it towards something that I can allow myself to receive just to use like a really, I know we're kind of talking about money. So I try to use a simple money practice, money example there. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So I love that you brought up the topic of shame because this is kind of and compassion because this is kind of the way that I like to work with the, I guess my, not, I don't want to say traumas or triggers. I want to say more like the patterns or experiences that I've had with money. Um, I've had to do a a lot of unshaming work around that. (laughs) And, And that's the part of the healing, the money healing journey that I spent quite a lot of time on. And that just relates so much to the compassion that I feel like is at the core of like bringing the compassion into all of these things has Mm -hmm. been, has been so helpful in the unshaming work. And I think like, I think you mentioned that the topic of unshame or shame and maybe compassion, like, are those, um, related to a specific, uh, you said there's three different, is it, not three different types, but there's like a head, a heart and Mm a, and a, a gut gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is the unshaming work and the the compassion, is that more, that's the the heart work, the heart types or.
1: I think of um, compassion and curiosity. I think of those as sort of applying to all nine types. Like we, we, that's the balm that's needed to help soften type constriction and so anytime we know we're locked into because it's so easy because I mean I just wrote a blog post about this today you know we all have those parts of ourselves that we just want to freaking vote off the inner island you know we're so sick of the way we do xyz and we do it again and again and we're just like oh God, why am I there again, or whatever, you know, whether it's around money or whatever, and why am I still struggling with this? And so it's like those, I mean, that is 99% of the time, that's going to have something to do with your Enneagram type. pattern. (laughs) So if you can apply some, find a way, so much of this work is about, it's a very individual journey. To find a way to befriend ourselves right there and to say, hmm, okay, like that's where I need to apply the kindness. And also, can I get a little curious? What's going on for me here? So I would say those two C words apply to all nine types. But the shame, of course, we all feel shame, but shame specifically is really under the surface for the heart triad, which are types two three and four. Um, Those are the types that are, you know, they're really have a current of that emotion that is relevant (laughs) to them (laughs) um, under the surface. Um, I'd say, especially when they're feeling off kilter, it's it's kind of like um, the way I ask it in the in the flourish formula is like what's the emotion that you feel maybe most common or like kind of like your go-to when you're feeling out of balance like some people are more likely to be angry than they are to be feel ashamed or feel like and so I lead with type three I'm a heart type and you know I've attended to this a lot within myself but still it's it's easy for me to drift into and another and actually other languaging around it. It can be shame. It can also be grief or sadness. So there's kind of like a package there, but all these sort of heavy heart emotional ends of the spectrum go with the, the heart. They're the kind of shadow part of the heart, the heart triad. And since so I mentioned it,
0: more emotional, the, the heart triad, emotional.
1: Well, it does relate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it relates to this emotional center of intelligence. So I yes. I mean, they're all emotions. What we're talking about are these emotions, but Yeah. Um and since I mentioned it, I was just going to kind of finish and say for the for the gut types, what is under the surface is anger. And it could be any flavor, it could be frustration. Some of the gut types don't like to think of themselves as angry people. So this, the gut types are types eight, types nine, and types one. And so sometimes like the types one are more, sometimes they're called perfectionists. They might not like to think of themselves as angry people. (laughs) So they might just say like, I'm just trying to get it right. But under the surface is anger. Type nines are very peaceful, kind of mediators. Again, they may not like to think of themselves as angry people, but, When they get real, there's some frustration there. So that's under the surface for the body types, also sometimes called the gut triad. And then for our head types, which are fives, sixes, and sevens, it's some flavor of fear or anxiety that's under the surface. And, you know, in my experience working with head types, I don't know, they, they seem to be a little more easily able to say like, yeah, fears under the surface. I I don't know. Maybe they struggle with naming it as well. But anyway, and of course, like I said, we all feel all of these, but it's just that it's a more common dance partner, if you will, because probably in part because of the tight patterning generating certain habituated thoughts, which are then stirring up these emotions as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. And it's funny because you did you say that you you thought my I might be a nine before when
1: just I mean from the outside I can one can never say what anyone else's type is or at least that's the school that I practice. Um, There are other schools that are are more comfortable with like you become an enneagram teacher and you can tell people, but right. But I'm of the philosophy that it's a journey that some that you know you can teach people the nine archetypes and then they discern their own type. But you know I get a hunch with people's vibes and right. I think with your marketing and your your Zen femme language and all of that, I if I had had to guess, I would have probably thought you were a nine.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because as you're telling you're talking about these three um, triads, you said the nine was like the peacekeeper. Right. And I can, I can identify with that for sure. I think, um, I can, I could definitely more so identify with that when I was in my twenties. Whereas now when, since I've discovered more about the types I've identified more with the four. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting because the, like you said, we all have these patterns. We can all have different patterns from each. It's not just like, you're only this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You do have one home base though. You do right. have one home base. So yeah. that's interesting. I mean, you might, it could be, I mean, I don't know how attached you are to which one you, but the, it it could be that you're a nine who's done a lot of work. And so you inner work and then you're showing up really differently. Mm -hmm. um and you and a lot of what's put out there popularly like I was saying is kind of is quite superficial so you might be like oh I don't I don't recognize myself with people are putting out memes about what nines are up to and it's like this isn't me anymore because you've already cleaned a lot of that stuff out but what's so beautiful about the Enneagram is and I think this is maybe where human design and the Enneagram really shine is um and I know the Enneagram a lot better than human design, but it's a map, it's not static. It doesn't just tell you you're this type and you're done. Mm -hmm. There's endless places of growth and exploration and support inside it. So as you clear out one place and we haven't even talked about how there's your wings and there's also these two support, these two resource points. And so there's just a lot of dynamism and movement Inside that could also be explaining, even though you don't change types, it could also be explaining some of the movement you've experienced throughout your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's just for listeners' uh, reference, that's kind of how I feel about um, human design as well, because there are only five types in human design. And you are born with the type that you have. And so that's your type, that's your home base right? Like, like you said, the home base and things can change. We have so many different phases of our lives and even phases of the month, phases of the year, Totally. totally. <laughs> like it's, it, yeah. So I love that word dynamic, dynamic and changing. And, and so, um, with the human, I I feel that the human design chart, you're we're always changing. Things are always changing, and so you do. While you do have your home base type, there's also this other stuff, you know, going on. But it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe just I like I I see it as like a maybe the way that you were tuned, like an instrument, like you might've been Mm, tuned a specific mm, way to play specific mm, notes. mm. And then you can, you can change your tune sometimes, or you can get out of Mm, tune (laughs) mm, mm. or your environment can influence like what you start to resonate with. And, and so Mm, mm. it is so layered and multifaceted and just I love that. I, I I don't love the idea of just being like so here's your chart and this is your type. And so because of this is your type, this is what you have to do or mm-hmm. this is how you are.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's I mean one of the nice descriptions I I really like about the enneagram is that it doesn't show you it doesn't put you in a box. It shows you the box you're already in. Mm. And I I think that that's, that's, that's what it's all about. It's the pathway to freedom out of these unconscious constrictions rather than the other way around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's so cool. It shows you the box that you're already in. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay. So just for reference for everyone, um, Courtney, is a manifester. She's an emotional manifester. And you're in true manifester form. You're initiating us in this podcast into the energy. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I just wanted to share that as a side note. Um, but there and and so there are some things like in the the things that you've mentioned about the Enneagram that I'm seeing can show up and because we all have, there are so many, there are thousands and thousands of archetypes. Right. Um, and they can show up in different systems in different ways. Mm. And, and so, so like, for example, you mentioned, I think the one is a perfection perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's like the gate 18 and human design and like, I don't, I wouldn't identify as a, a one Enneagram type, but I have the gate 18 and you do as well in your human design chart. Oh, Tell me about it. (laughs) Tell
1: me about it. Okay. That's helpful. Cause I, well, you know what I was going to mention when you were talking about the way, like something you said a bit, a bit ago about, I forget what made me think about this, but we can have an overlay of our parents Enneagram numbers. Ah. So my dad is a, is a perfectionist. And my mom is a peacemaker. And so I would type nine and type one. So I have a lot of those energies alive in me. And I thought that was where I was getting my perfectionist streak. But it turns out it's human design as well. It's coming yeah. from numerous <laughs> archetypal sources. Okay.
0: Yeah. Our human design actually does. Um, there are genetics and, uh, and our our lineage does affect our, our chart as well.
1: Ooh we could do, we could do some whole other piece on the perfectionist part.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny because, so in in human design language, um, that gate is the, the perfectionist. Um, and I'm not sure if you've heard of the gene keys. Have you, have you heard of the gene keys? Okay. So, um, the gene keys are, I guess not really an extension of human design, but uh, they were created by Richard Rudd, who studied with the person who downloaded the human design system. And he really focuses on like the, the genetic and the, um, the I Ching aspects of human design. So he looks at the 64 archetypes of the gene the gene keys like in relationship to the I Ching. And so the, the gene key 18, the gate 18, um, is the shadow of judgment, the gift of integrity and the city, which is like the, the highest frequency of perfection. So I feel like I just, I love the language of the gene keys so much more. Like I said, like, I feel like human design can be like anti nonviolent communication, (laughs) Mm. whereas the gene keys, I feel like, um, the language is more beautiful and, and, Um, it it shows like a a frequency uh, range for each gate or gene key and Mm. so when I when I heard this gift of integrity I was like instead of perfectionist like perfectionist feels like so like uh, you know like constricting you know and the gift of integrity feels like oh that makes so much sense like that's what I stand for. I stand for mm. being an in integrity. And like, as a result of that, there's like this wider or exp- more expansive view of perfection. Not like mm. I'm a perfectionist.
1: Mm. Totally. Yeah. Well, cause I feel like there's one that's, that's like a joy killer that's at the individual. That's a small self level. That's like getting super uptight about, making everything perfect and you know of course that's utterly impossible because we're humans and we're going to mess things up and so that is the perfectionist energy but when you're talking about integrity and I think about like living a life that's congruent that's one of the words I really like like where our inner life and our the way our outer life structures are set up and feel to us which of course it's dynamic cuz we're always changing and then you know we have to reset like we just moved and everything about yeah. like a fruit basket turnover, over but you know where there's like a, a sort of ma- a resonance between the inner and the outer but to take it even further thinking about the the world and the and the systems that we want to create that are more just and whole and in service to life and playing our part in that. And that to me is like where integrity, like integrity in service to, to creating that kind of those kinds of systems. It's no longer, it's almost like when it's folded in on itself and it's just inside our ego, then it's painful. But when it's brought out and it's part of in service to the collective, then it's a big, there's enough room for that to be like, like I think that maybe Gandhi was a type one Mm. and like, you know, like when you're standing up to the, to the colonial empire, to the British empire, like, you know, you can use some backbone, you can use some of that like integrity. Like I'm going to weave my own cloth and we're going to like say no to this expansion right here. Yeah, (laughs) And, and, and so I, um, I like what you just said. Mm. That made me excited.
0: I think Gandhi had the gate eighteen as well. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh. -huh. Together. (laughs) I love how we're bringing the enneagram and the and human design through these these luminaries. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't. And he. I mean, in respect to Gandhi, I don't think he ever said what he was. So I think people have just said that he probably led with type one, but he had some of that. Archetypal energy of like, no black and, you know, a certain uh, capacity to discern where things ended.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in relationship, like in relationship to money, uh, I have, I have this uh, 18 in, um, in actually in my chart in relationship to money specifically, or Mm my, my, how I, prosper and so Mm. it's you know that's been a journey because like I said the shadow frequency is judgment and so there's been a lot of (laughs) self-judgment and then moving more in integrity and and without even knowing that this was you know in my chart um I started to adopt this idea that I wanted to be a good steward of my money and to be in integrity when mm. I'm handling my money, when I'm mm. using it in the world, mm. um, using as a tool, using it as a tool for good, and and I've also seen like my trauma pattern of like. Going into perfection mode as far as like how I'm managing my money. Like, mm. I have to, whenever I'm doing something like, um, like we call it a map of intention, right? The, or the, the budget.
1: Oh, okay. Love right? it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I can get really, really like focused and perfectionist about it, like mm. tracking everything. And, It's so interesting. I have no
1: idea what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) It's so interesting because, like, when I get like that, it's a different feeling than Mm. than just like having a money date, right? Like checking in, and then or that where it's like super intense, you know. And whenever I'm in that intensity mode, and like, and everyone says like you should track your money, you should. That's how you'll manifest more, and all of that Mm. stuff. I end up doing a lot worse (laughs) Mm. I think it's because I clench you know there's that Mm. somatic reaction Mm. to Mm. (laughs) to that so um yeah maybe maybe you want to share any does anything come up for you around (laughs) any of that
1: (laughs) I mean I'm just taking it in I'm thinking I'm just really resonating with that um I don't I mean I don't know where if my gate relates to money specifically but it I definitely I think of that as my controller self and when I'm like or like that over controller when she is there whether it's in the money date or in my business like I I did a, I we were talking before the call how I've been doing a lot of my or the recording doing a lot of work with my coach this summer around money and just about trusting trusting myself trusting life and how do I make decisions in my business and really the difference between um making decisions out of a a place well for me a lot of times it's so there's that controlling energy you're talking about, which, I mean, it, it all feels tight. It's just sort of a different kind of tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that, there's that controlling energy. I definitely resonate with like at the money date, but there's for me, the, maybe the, the biggest place that I can get really hung up is, uh, um is really, it's a fearful place and it's up in my head and like really getting stuck up there. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do too much. And I don't know if this is almost I almost feel like this is the opposite, this is like my manifestor opposite counter. I'm 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 totally human designing without a license here, but I feel don't like worry. this is <laughs> like this is like this is like like my small self manifestor energy. Cause I feel like when I'm in true manifestor mode, there's just flow and it's effortless. Yeah. And it's like candy, and there's just, it's, and it's my whole body's involved. And that's like a totally different feeling. But, but when I get tight and I'm up in my head and, um, and I'm forcing, and there's this, this really, so we, we did a, I've been working a lot with paying attention to how I'm making decisions. And even something as simple as like, I was working on a new coaching container or offer and I was getting super hung up on setting the price so like when I was designing it and doing the creative part like oh I was in flow and I was like okay it's gonna be called garden party and it's gonna be one month long and we're gonna do it this way and like oh I was just you know and that was all coming through and that was no problem but then she was like all right how much is it gonna cost and I was like um you know and just I kept oh okay it's gonna be Uh, you know, and I just, I kept interrupting myself. She's like, it's like your head kept coming in. I would pick one number. And interestingly, what I kept doing is going too low. Like I kept, and I think this is where the, the worthiness Mm. piece, like the shame triad we were talking about, like I kept feeling it, but then like cutting myself off and going under, under, under. And finally I, I felt the price. It wasn't a head thing. I took a nap, I did some Yoga Nidra. Nice. And it was like this ripple of resonance came through me as a number. And I was like, oh, okay. And by the way, I did two of these offers. It's a month long coaching, and I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I didn't set it for that like lower price. Cause that was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, there was really some wisdom in me that was trying to keep me from, from but it was like a scared, heady. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's an example.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in relationship with money, I know that most of the people that I, I guess, No, (laughs) they struggle with, uh, self-worth and money. That is, that is probably one of the biggest things that people struggle with. Um, and is there anything I know that you said, like you felt it in your body, you took a a yoga nidra nap, like you Mm -hmm. felt it more deeply in your body versus in your head. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any recommendations for how someone can, I guess see like so that sounds to me a little bit like um, taking uh, using the gifts from other, maybe borrowing the gifts from other uh, the other two triads
1: because your
0: mm-hmm. your yours is a heart triad, right? The mm-hmm. heart and heart type. Maybe borrowing the the gifts from the other two to mm-hmm. I don't know because I like to look at I like to look at these systems as like symbiotic like they have this mm-hmm. and so yeah I don't know I don't yeah, know I like
1: that I like I that think there was a form I don't think there's a
0: question in there but
1: <laughs> well no I think this is where we should talk about this other guide for people if they want to play with the Enneagram and money awesome. as a resource because I think there's a lot so um Corinne has this, we'll have this handout or this written guide I made for people if they want to go deeper with the Enneagram and money as a resource. And I wrote this for a summit um, that I was invited to talk at um in the spring. And it was really I it was really fun for me actually to sit down and pair up the Enneagram and money and the the starting point. I always like to lead with the positive. And so, I mean, I just gave a very specific example about pricing and that might not be relevant to everybody, but what, what I started with for each type was really what I see as a gift. And I framed it as a strength to the love activist economy. Cause I, as you all might be getting a sense of like, I really feel like we, we're in betwixt and between two worlds where there's so much that needs to be dismantled, whether we think of our economic system or the way we treat the earth, or, you know, there's just so much that is, I think we're in transition. And each type brings something really powerful. So we were talking about those perfectionists and they you know, they are natural reformers, they can see where we're m- missing the mark individually, individually and collectively. And so that is so beneficial to help us create this regenerative economy. And so anyway, I that's like their gift that's in this guide that I'm talking about. So for each type, I offer the strength and a blind spot to our relationship to money, and a healing practice and a mantra. And so I just point people to, and we can talk about this more if you want to, Corinne, now, I don't know how deeply you want to go into some examples, but um, that would be a, a, a way to utilize the Enneagram as a resource to heal your relationship to money. And I just feel like, in my own life, I have been surprised how deep the healing needs to go in the relationship to money. It just, I keep going back turn after turn after turn, after turn, after turn. And that's where I think these allies like the Enneagram, um, anything that is a real deep, deep ally of self-awareness is the kind of partner you need (laughs) to do this kind of work, yeah.
0: And self-acceptance.
1: Well, and what's ironic, I mean, I this is one of the reasons I, I love that you are talking about this, Corinne, and you've been talking about money consciously in a really beautiful, gentle way for a long time in a way that I think is pretty unusual. Even in the self-help personal growth world, I feel like there's a lot of, I, I feel like there's still a lot of spaces where money is not talked about. Um, I know like in my coach training, or there's just like a lot of divides. It's Mm -hmm. like people are comfortable with the healing and the transformational work, but there's just a lot of discomfort or dis-ease with the money. And I come from, you know, I've done a a lot of spiritual study, um, but I also come from this like social justice background. And in both those places, whether it's like you're an activist, change the world, nonprofit place, or you're more of a spiritual teacher. Like there's a lot of discomfort relating to how to be in relationship to money. And so finding our, these, it's not so easy to do the inner work and pair it in a wholesome way with our money healing too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes
1: you have to really hunt to find the good, guide so i appreciate all that you do to shine your light
0: thank you on this <laughs> yeah it is so complex and i think um you know i've heard a few people mention this before but i think like it's it's so great that we're starting to talk about it more um money and our relationship to money but it's also still like people say that it's even more taboo than sex. Like you have a lot of people who are more comfortable sharing about sex than they are about sharing. I could you see know, that about money, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's just kind of bizarre. I like it, it. Like I can see that, but it's also pretty bizarre because it's something that we all have to deal with. Even if we, we are live
1: in the material plane, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Even if we're, you know, you know, not really, I don't know if we try not to engage with it or we, we think we're living off the grid or whatever. I know, like...
1: Despite my best efforts to live in a cave, my husband's always like, you didn't take that path. You are not like a monk living in a cave. That. That door
0: has closed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) If you're listening to
0: this podcast, you're not on that path.
1: (laughs) Join me here in this life where we are buying our kids, you know, ice cream and real stuff. So, yes, it is. it's, it's, It's a lot of pieces. I mean, just I think as a coach, I talk about the different parts of life as life gardens. And, you know, when you think about your health, your body life garden, your life garden of the spirit and your, you know, your sense of belonging and love and meditation and all that. I mean, just to give two examples, but then livelihood, which to me is money, work and legacy. I used mm-hmm. to have leadership in there, but I found that people would, especially women, would bounce off the word leadership and they wouldn't claim it. So now I like to use the word legacy because like claiming those ripples of looking at your wake, however you but just that one life garden of in my paradigm seven is huge to get all of those pieces working in a way that feels good, that your work is resonant and the money, the enough energy is going out and that not just not just to say the money, but the energy is going out and coming in and the money's going. I mean, it's just I just want people to give themselves like and I guess I'm saying this and also trying to receive it, compassion. And mm-hmm. also a lot of this, the system is much bigger than any one of us. And so it is really, really hard to get all of these pieces flowing in the right way um, in in one life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it could be done. I don't mean to not be hopeful about it, but just the graciousness
0: Mm. Yeah, I think the word leadership. I can see why um, that would be a hard one for, especially women to 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 bunch in there. That is that that for me is I'm 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 starting to embrace that more um, because I've been starting to look at it more from my own personal like the way that I show up as a leader it doesn't have to look like the stereotype of the leader right (laughs) yeah um but I love that I love that you're using that um inner inner garden that's so that's so beautiful um and so I know that you've been talking more about inner ecology. Did you want to share a little bit about that?
1: Yes. <laughs> so, I'm starting, I'm developing a podcast that's called Inner Ecology. This is the very first time I've I've written about it, but this will be the first time I've said it out loud. So, this podcast is now <laughs> containing the seed of my new podcast. Yay. Yay! and I was I was I was talking before the recording about how it I've never before felt you know I've heard like creative people or artists talk about like how if they don't create something it's going to consume them (laughs) I've never had that feeling before now it's really been growing it started um, so it's it is a podcast about personal and planetary flourishing and it is going to be at the intersection of all things inner life, all these inner life resources like the Enneagram and how we can use them to sustain sustainable people, people with a green heart, sustainable leaders, and also those of us who live normal lives who maybe don't think of ourselves as sustainable leaders but who are inspired by them and who want to do our part in this moment on the planet and want to see what that could be. And the other thing I'm super thirsty for in my life are stories of renewal and hope. So I really wanna gather up stories of ecological healing, um, places where, uh, and I'm gonna start the podcast with telling my, my own experience of visiting one of these places off the coast, off the Atlantic coast of Nicaragua where the earth has an opportunity to heal and really shows us like what she's up to and able to and I feel like all of consuming these stories of hope both from our our personal lives and from planetary planet ecosystem um, expressions will be fuel for the the journey ahead so it's all taking shape and up until this point it's just been like me and my laptop but it's getting real real i do have the as i was saying i have the microphone in a box so i think pretty soon i'm going to plug it in and and start the start the process and i'm going to try to as best as i can invite people who are different um different enneagram types mm. to really kind of give people a flavor of the the different energies so it's going to be lots of fun
0: oh that's awesome oh yeah I can't wait to hear it so for anyone listening definitely go to Courtney's website and we're going to share all about that and um I know I'm on your email list so I know that you've been talking about it and your emails are just so I, I actually love reading your emails for one because you're not setting them every day. And I, <laughs> uh, but mostly because, uh, they're kind of like, they're personal and they're just very, like, they're almost like a little refuge because mm-hmm. you're sharing about just your experiences and what's been going mm-hmm. on in your life. And I love to hear that mm-hmm. and you know, how it relates to what you're doing in, in your business and the you know the insights that you're you're getting from all these adventures that you're on and so um yeah and that's also really exciting that you're going to be sharing like different um people from different parts of the Enneagram and all of that um and that's really cool that you're sharing about Nicaragua because is is this close to where you were living I know you lived in Nicaragua so is it-
1: the place that I'm going to tell the story of um, is actually somewhere that I went when when my husband Rich and I met there in the Peace Corps, you know, 20 years ago now. And we we had an opportunity to visit this island that's off the Atlantic coast that um, it that is a really unique location that basically had been like slash and burn agriculture and then allowed to come back alive and so that's that's the story I'm going to be it's called Greenfield's that's the mm-hmm. story I'm going to tell awesome yeah it's really i mean it was a very heady time cuz i was i was falling in love we were we were just like it was like i guess one of the first trips we took together and so it was a really special place on a lot of on a lot of levels but to be I don't think I'd ever been in immersed in an ecosystem like that where you could just feel the vibrations, you know, swimming in these little lagoons and things of, of just like something coming back alive, like all around me. So, yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to reading about that and sharing, hearing about that. (laughs) I'm
1: excited. I mean, I, it gets, yeah, I feel this real big surge of, of excitement to, um,
0: Yeah, to I can feel it.
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story I've never told. So oh, here we cool. go.
0: <laughs> All right. So do you have any, I don't know, parting words or, um, mm. anything else you want to share with listeners? Just thank
1: you for this opportunity. It was really wonderful to be with you. I've always enjoyed you. I continue to enjoy you. Um I I think the thing I just want to say to you that I feel like you've taught me, Corinne, more than any or I'm gonna say more than anyone, but I mean one of the things that you really inspire to me is just your resiliency, like your capacity. I've just watched you do a lot of various things in your business over time there's always a through a through line that feels really true to me and Mm -hmm. I know authenticity is one of your words but you seem to be true to yourself and yet quite nimble and I just have really appreciated that reminder that we can kind of melt it down and reimagine what we're doing and um offer something true and good again and again so thank you for letting me be
0: a part of it yeah thank you so much for that (laughs) all right cool so let's just um let's just recap what we're going to share with the listeners i'm going to put all the links in the show notes but i want people to see what you're up to to get on your mailing list to get the the pdf so share more about that
1: okay so recap um, I will will have the link to my book which is called the flourish formula an overachiever's guide to slowing down and accomplishing more so definitely encourage you to grab a copy of that and that's also where you can get my three my quick soak method to learn your Enneagram type also if you're interested to my Enneagram and money uh, PDF or written guide the link to that will be there it's a separate opt-in place to go. And then those are the only two. And then we've mentioned a bunch of other Enneagram resources. And then my upcoming podcast, which once you sign up to be on my um, email list, you'll hear about is called Inner Ecology. And so that is coming soon.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. And I just love to, I don't know, talk a little about about human design and Enneagram and obviously in relationship to money and it's just the beginning of a huge <laughs> exploration that, um, that I feel is just so juicy and um, necessary to be mm-hmm. honest so
1: totally necessary yeah oh and I did think of one more thing which is I'm on Instagram yeah. and I'd love I'm just on as my name Courtney Pinkerton Okay. So I would love to connect with people if they have any questions about the Enneagram or the Enneagram and money after this, just, you know, they can reach out to me there, find me there as well.
0: All right. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. And, um, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.